right, everybody, welcome to this week's Learning the Tropes. I'm Aaron. I'm Clayton. And I'm your romance novel veteran. And I'm the virgin. And we're hoes. Well, I'm not Dad. a virgin for this episode. <laughs> We've had a stressful two days. I just want you all to know I there's been tears. There's been, uh, you know, thoughts about paranormal activity. <laughs> we... So we recorded this episode on Tuesday morning. You know how we love to fly close to the sun. And then Tuesday night I was all cuddled in bed and I got some alarming texts from Clayton that my sound was completely corrupted and it was unlistenable. It was so bad, guys. Mm-hmm. We and don't know why. Yes. Yeah, so we think it's something to do with Aaron's computer. We don't know what the culprit is, but... Mm-hmm. Producer Patty stepped in, got off the helicopter, <laughs> stepped down, saved the day, got Aaron set up for at least this episode. So we should yeah. be good to go. Set me up with a yeah, with a different recording, wave recording. I still think this could be the ghost of my house because she's been active. Okay. Well, don't I mean don't coax her into doing something to this. No, no, no. She just likes to be acknowledged, and now she's going to be fine. Okay. Yeah. I don't think she has anything about against McNaught. Although maybe she also loved this book, and she had her own things she wanted to say. Yeah, maybe she did not like that the first time we talked about this book, we didn't even get into why this is called Kingdom of Dreams. We did it. And here's the thing also. There was a lot of things thinking back to that episode that I was like, oh, man, I wish I we had talked about this. I wish we had talked about that. So, you know, things happen for a reason. <laughs> um, and we apologize. Anyway, we apologize. You know, it, it means a lot to us and to you guys to be able to get these out on time. Um, and I know when I have a podcast that I expect to come out on a certain day, I have my little plan around that podcast. And then if they don't release, it's like, OK, this is <laughs> yeah. now everything feels a little bit off. So mm-hmm. anyway, we're so sorry. We hope it won't ever happen again. Yeah. We're humans. Well, we're going to, I think we're going to start recording earlier than Tuesday morning. That's something we definitely could do. We, we started by recording like Sundays and then it moved to Mondays and then it slowly moved to Thursday to Tuesdays. Yeah. All right. So we need to get started with our patrons and then we can move on to talking about this book Mm -hmm. fresh. Yes. So, guys, obviously, we have a Patreon. If you are interested in becoming a patron, you can go to learningthetropes.com. I mean, sorry, you can go to patreon.com and search for Learning the Tropes. And so we have a lot of really wonderful patrons who are going to be getting a limited edition unique sticker um, once you're with us for three months. And so I will start by saying thank you so much to Kristen Curran for joining us on Patreon. Yes, and Cassie, thank you so much for joining us. And Hannah Chalman. And Lynn Lynn Arrington. So thank you, thank you all for joining. And like Aaron said, the first the first wave of stickers has come out for mm-hmm. our, our our early patrons, and we're getting uh, good feedback. People are loving them. Uh, hopefully, like I said, they're sticking them on public property 
and uh, that's what we want. Uh, or you know, put them on your trapper keeper, whatever, whatever suits you. But you know, I did realize though, it doesn't say podcast. So if we are like just blanketing the world with these stickers, people aren't good. Like, are people going to know it's a podcast? They'll Google whatever it is and they'll see it. Oh, you you okay, want to make please. it mysterious. Listen, we don't want to put podcast on there because then they'll be like, oh, I don't need another podcast in my life. Oh. I think I like that it's mysterious. What is this learning Sh- the tropes? What is this thing? <laughs> Why is this sticker on a on a raised plow sign in the middle of the street? Why? <laughs> in this bathroom, in this public bathroom. Yes, public. Why have I not mentioned put it in a public bathroom? Yeah. That's where you're supposed to put stickers. Put it on the mirror in a public bathroom. That's perfect. Yeah. So anyway, thank you all for for help supporting us. It's it's been amazing the turnout. We're surprised. Mm-hmm. We're always shocked. I know. Well, with that said, let's give them what they came here for, which is Aaron, what book did we read this week? We read a Kingdom of Dreams by Judith McNaught. All right. So, well, first, uh, I send you, like, you know, we've talked about before. Uh, I send you, like, a list of about 10 possibilities. And you chose A Kingdom of Dreams off of that because you told me, you're like, who's a big author we haven't done yet? Yes. I think that's uh, that's a big thing that we need to start doing on the podcast. Because mm-hmm. also, I think people were really psyched for this book. Yeah, people have said this is their favorite ever heroine. Some people have said that this is their favorite hero or one of Mm -hmm. their favorite heroes. So I do think we need to we need to hit the biggies. No more Mm -hmm. fooling around. My education (laughs) needs to be complete. Listen, who knows how long we have on this earth? So we can't be messing around. I need to be fully romance educated. Just in case. Yeah. Well, I think my hesitation with Judith McNaught was, you know, we've I've read jo- Johanna Lindsay for this podcast. I've read it for Womance, the Womance podcast. And while obviously Johanna Lindsay is phenomenal, she writes in a certain kind that a, a certain kind of style that can be like a bit dry and a bit hard to relate to. And me wrongly assumed that Judith McNaught would be kind of more of the same. And so I, as much as people were constantly like, you just have to read a Judith McNaught, read any Judith McNaught or Kingdom of Dreams, or, you know, people were recommending other books too. I resisted based on my own like preconceived notions of what it would be, which guys is a problem. (laughs) You shouldn't do that because this book is absolutely nothing like that. It is so alive. It is so relatable. I mean, we liked the book, guys. I don't, you know, we're not monsters. So, yeah, so I'm so thrilled that you picked this book. And I'm so happy that after Lord knows how long we've been doing this podcast. No one knows. But we're still able to find these books that are so magic and so special and so really reinforce why I love reading romance at this stage of the game. It's like such a joy. So, I mean, listen, I'm obviously all for continuing. (laughs) Yes, let's continue to read very good authors. I'm down. Yes. So let's judge Uh, this cover. Yes. So the very first cover 
is absolutely stunning. I love this. This is my favorite cover. And it's Judith McNaught. I imagine uh, Kingdom of Dreams are the same size. I imagine it was probably embossed. I'm just going to say it was embossed. I don't know. It's got to be. Yeah. And then it's just a woman in a purple dress. And she's holding a box with the ribbon and jewels inside, which is definitely that box that Royce gave her with his mother's ribbon. Mm -hmm. And... I am realizing now, like, purple isn't a cover, isn't a color you see a ton on covers. And it works so well. And I absolutely love this. And now this edition has become my holy grail that I must possess. Well, this is the mass market paperback from 1989. Tis, yes. So this was the year of this book's release. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, I, I this book is stunning. I love the cover. I'd love to to stumble upon it at some point. And mm-hmm. I'm sure there's a, a a lot in circulation. I just, where are they is the question. We also haven't looked in fairness, but we will start. Yeah. I mean, it could be available on thrift books for a dollar 19. We don't know, but that's not fun. I no, I like, I, you want to stumble on, uh, stumble upon it in the wild. That's the best way to yeah. find books. Yeah, I know that makes it more fun. So it's like now when you go into like a used bookstore, you're like, okay, let's see if we could find that McNaught. Like I have a few books like that that I, yeah, I guess I could go online and find a, a older copy, but I would rather just kind of like hunt through. That's true. So. So second one you have here is The Mass Market from 1991. I don't think there's much to Mm -hmm. say about it. I don't like it very much. It's a castle in the clouds, Judith McNaught, Mm -hmm. very big, Kingdom of Dreams, pretty small, and it just doesn't invoke romance to me. It invokes some sort of, I said this on the the last episode, (laughs) some sort of fantasy, something, just not what this book is. Yeah. It doesn't do a service to this book. I think we could just say what we some points that we made on the last episode without calling it out because uh, they don't know and it's just each other. You're right. They don't know. They don't know what they're missing until we tell them what they're missing. And also you could tell at this stage that Judith McNaught probably has a level of uh, like fame because her name is massive and you could tell that just her name was selling books, which you know what? I'm buying and then the Kindle 2016, um, I think all of Judith McNaught's books were re-released for the Kindle with a with the exact same, like her name in the same font, the title in the same font, and then just like a woman center as the as every cover. Because then if you look on Kindle for Judith McNaught, you'll see like Whitney, my love is this way. Like they're all the same. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's a good cover. I mean, I think it's a pretty accurate representation of Jennifer. Obviously, she looks older than 17, but in my mind, she is older than 17. I just decided. Yes. But she's beautiful. She's in a beautiful dress, red hair, on like the Misty Moors. Like, it's a it's a good cover. I, I like it. I mm-hmm. always hope for a clinch, though. Yeah. I mean, I think this clinch cover would be amazing because to see Royce would be phenomenal. Is there... I mean, that's a question for our listeners... Is there a clinch cover that exists for this book? Or is the step back the clinch? I- I'm assuming there's maybe a step back in the 1989 one where it's a <gasps> clinch. Oh, yeah. We got to look oh, that. Guys, look if for that you have too. the step back for a Kingdom of Dreams, you got to get it to us. 
And then finally, so we did get an email. Something that I loved about when we announced this episode is so many people were telling us like their relationship to the book, which I always want to hear, guys. So if we ever release a book and you're like, oh, I have a funny story with that book or this book means that to me, tell us. I want to know always. Somebody said that this was the first book that they're going to be able to read in their native language because they stumbled across it in a bookstore. I was that's like, that's great. so special. Yeah, and then we got an e- we got an email from Rachel that said, Hi, Aaron and Clayton. I've never read this book, but a few weeks ago, my local top shop must have had a big donation by a fellow romance lover, and I grabbed it fast after hearing about it on a few podcasts. Look like Looks like it's time to read and see what all the fuss is about. Enjoy judging this cover, Rachel. Smiley face. And Rachel's cover is a paperback from 1991, which is the cover they used for the Wikipedia. Oh, interesting. So it's Judith McNaught, and this is definitely embossed Mm -hmm. in gold. And then we have A Kingdom of Dreams down at the bottom. But then we have a drawing of Jennifer, red hair and everything. And it's very cartoonish, but not cartoonish in the modern sense. No, but like a realistic cartoon, but it's definitely a drawing. Yeah. And Jennifer is, you know, I don't want to talk comment on people's looks, but she looks, she looks specific to a time. Exactly. But that's so interesting. And we thought that this was maybe a UK cover, and it still possibly could be, but it's in the Wikipedia entry. So that's very interesting. Awesome. All right, Clayton. So what was this book about? Here's going to here's here's going to be the difficult part. Because I tend to do a brain dump where right after we record, I lose most of my memory. Mm-hmm. And so I'm going to try to regain my senses to try to sum this book up. And I'm going to do it fast this time because we we want to we want to zip through. Well, we want to talk more about the book, but I also think it's like just high, just like high, like 30,000 feet. What is this book about? This book is about Jennifer Merrick, who was excommunicated from her community and was going to become a nun for. And this was because of things she didn't do, things that her evil stepbrother said she did. And she's there with her sister, Brenna. They're kidnapped by the Black Wolf's men, and they're taken to the Black Wolf. He's like, "What? What are you? What are you even gonna do with these with these ladies?" <laughs> Jennifer and Royce, who is the Wolf, fall in love, and he falls for her first. Then she escapes, breaks his heart. He goes to find her, steals her again. Then they, oh, God, what happens after that? Well, the king says that they have to get married. Yes, yes, yes. They have and to so get married. And so then he goes and he steals her because he thinks if he waits one more day, then her family's going to kill him, which they might have done. Mm-hmm. And then at the very end, they get together. Great. Quick, quick and easy, but that's not, it's not easy. There's a, there's a lot going on. I mean, it's, 
the thing about this book that is phenomenal is, you know, and, and the last book we read was also The Windflower. So we are kind of on a more old school romance kick. But the thing about old school romances that I think is fantastic is how dense they are with plot mm-hmm. and with character. And like things just start happening and don't fucking stop happening until the last page. Like big, big swings, big moments. And I think that's something that like, you know, and listen, I love modern romance. I There's so many authors writing right now that I'm absolutely obsessed with. Um, and do amazing work. But I will say that specific aspect of romance, I don't see as much anymore. And I really miss, you know? Yeah, it's... Are there dense books in general, like fiction in general, has it changed where it's it's less dense? I feel like maybe popular fiction has become less dense. I'm sure there's still dense there's still dense books that are being published, I'm sure. But do they hit big? Yeah. Cuz I feel like now it's like sci-fi fantasy, they're still doing these epics, but like Yeah, there's not these like dense books about like an entire family or something like that. It just doesn't or, or that I'm aware of, obviously, like it's it's I'm limited to my own ignorance, but like it doesn't feel like, yeah, you're right. I feel like books in general have become a little bit lighter and then romance, I think, has become, you know, it, it, but it's also it's like, listen, sometimes you want just a story of two people falling in love without all the fuss. But this level of like these like big moments or these big swings or really bringing people from one side of an emotion to the other side of the an emotion. It's just Judith McNaught is obviously eminently talented. And this book is fantastic for all that it does. And I think the only way to really talk about this book is chronologically because it, there's so much that I think if we just are like start cherry picking, we might miss stuff. So yeah, it starts with Jennifer as a novice nun but it doesn't seem like she'll ever actually become a nun. She's just kind of like chilling there for a little bit. And then mm-hmm. she's kidnapped. And the thing about her that I love is at no moment does she ever stop trying to escape. And she doesn't stop scheming for a moment. No. And she and her sister Brenna, who's also a novice, I think, are brought into this tent and they're, you know, being held. Because like you said... Royce's brother has stolen these women because he thought it was a good thing. And then Royce is like, this is the fucking last thing we need. Like, what is the matter with you? But now we have them and we can't let them go. And this is like such a thing now. Mm-hmm. And she figures out a way to get them to give her all of these men's clothing because she feels like this is what she needs in order to escape. Because if they just are two novice nuns running around the countryside, she feels like that'll um, draw, draw attention. attention. <laughs> So she she pretends to do the mending and then she just like cuts like the scenes where she's just like cutting up blankets and sewing closed armholes is such a great scene. Yeah, and it's it's how hurt Royce is yeah. when he discovers what she did because she offered to mend the stuff mm-hmm. and she had a pair of 
tights that she mended specifically to show him, hey, I'm doing what I said I was doing. And he thought, oh, she's doing a great job. Look at that. I can barely find that seam. And then when the blankets are all cut up, because those are for his men. His men are freezing and they need warm clothes. They need clothes that don't have holes and they need warm blankets. And so to have her betray him like that was really devastating. The other thing, though, is her first escape attempt, she steals his beloved horse, Thor, and ends up inadvertently killing it. Yeah. Which is completely tragic, and I'm sure even more tragic for a horse horse girl like yourself. That was upsetting. That the, the horse, Thor, was really smart... Because at some point, she's directing it towards a hill, a cliffside. So she doesn't know this. The horse knows it. So it jumps and bucks her off and then falls and dies. And she's devastated. And he's devastated. He's actually, he's so devastated, but yet, like, not as angry at her as I would have expected. That's the thing. Well, and that's the thing about Royce that you that Judith McNaught does such a good job of is you know him and trust him so quickly Mm -hmm. where he does put on this like kind of scary front with her, with Jennifer, but you know that he's a kind of person. He's over all this bullshit when it comes to fighting. And you know that so quickly that, like you said, the moments when he goes in and he thinks that she's helping his men and she's sewing things up, we know that she's just destroying their clothes. And, like, I was so heartbroken and upset about that because I was like, oh, no, when Royce finds out, that's going to be so sad. When the horse dies, you know that he's devastated, but you aren't, like, worried for Jennifer's safety, that he's going to, like, kill her or something. He really understands that it was kind of just a tragedy that didn't have to happen because had she not tried to escape. But also, like, Royce tries to thwart her escape attempts, but he doesn't seem to be upset with her for for trying to escape. You know what I mean? I mean, I'm sure he understands that she doesn't want to be a captive. Yes, And she says that to him at some point where she's like, if I was your daughter, wouldn't you want me to do everything I can to get out of here and not help? Mm -hmm. He's like, I guess so. So that night she, he spanks her. Yes. (laughs) Which like, we don't love violence guys, but you know. And then she grabs the dagger from his boot and cuts his face into a C or a J. Yeah. And then she doesn't mean to cut into a J, but it happens. But then what, he does is he makes her sew together his his uh his wound Mm -hmm. and that's a new trope that i love is (laughs) a woman sewing yeah a woman sewing a man's wound and Mm -hmm. because there's a shaving scene in this he shaves his beard and he looks less fearsome but she doesn't shave him someone else shaves him but then she stitches him up, and that I think is a new good uh, new trope that I love. And I mean, this book started with her and Brenna stealing men's clothes and mm-hmm. wearing men's clothes. So you know, I love a woman in pants. 
Then all of a sudden there's a stitching up scene. I mean, this was just great from the beginning. And the mm-hmm. fact that he would trust her with a needle so close to his face after she slashed him with his dagger. I mean, this is a guy who definitely is very trusting and not what everybody expects him to be because his his name inspires fear throughout the land. And like you said previously, Judith makes makes it so clear from the jump that that is all just part of his tactics to make people fear him because it makes his job easier. But he is not that person. And it's immediate. It's not one of these books where, oh, man, this guy is just a straight up dick for 50, 60, 70 percent of the book. And then we're supposed to fall for him. I think we fall for him immediately. Yes. Yeah. And it's interesting because you can see that, like, definitely, obviously, he has gone into battle and he has the scars to prove it. And he has this immense loyalty from his men. But you can tell that he has really used his reputation as a way to not have to fight so much. Because if Mm -hmm. everybody is terrified of you, then... You know, maybe people surrender sooner or something like that. Like his reputation as being like this terrifying beast of a person has served him so well for so long. And and he's killed people, though. I mean, that's the thing is like, no, he has killed people. He has killed people, but he's killed people in battle. There was a lot of battles going on back in the day. Mm -hmm. And he's just not cruel in the way that their expectation is that he like when the sisters are snatched up. The mm-hmm. fear initially is, I mean, they're going to be ravaged. Right. And, and that's just, be, that's yeah. just never even in the cards at all. And I, and I like that. I, I like that. I like that. It wasn't mm-hmm. because that sort of threatening is not to me enjoyable to read. Well, no. Yeah. And you never feel also like any of his men would either. Cause even, you know, Jennifer, after the escape attempt, Jennifer and Brenna are separated and Brenna is spending more time with Steven, his brother. But you never are like, oh, what's happening there? Is it something nefarious? You know that she's fine. You know what I mean? Like she's safe. Like I'm sure she's stressed out, but it's not that any harm is going to come to her. And there's something about the spanking that I know... He shouldn't spank people unless they approve of it, they consent of it. But it, it's it's better, and I'm sure the idea was it was supposed to be more erotic than him slapping her in the face or doing something else physical. Like there was something about the spanking that is understood in this context to be a, kind of erotic, right? But also, it just didn't feel as brutal as other things he could have done. Yeah. And I, she did kill his horse that he loved. Yeah. And, yeah, it's obviously, it's like, whatever. We don't approve of violence. But it is also, this is a medieval story. And so. Exactly. Yeah. You know, for a medieval story, that's pretty tame. Right. And also, it gave her the opportunity to grab his dagger and to cut him immediately. So it's not like there was this massive power imbalance for this long time. Like, he yeah. slaps, he, like, spanks her, and then she immediately cuts his face open, mm-hmm. you know? 
So there's always this give and take of power. Like that's the thing too. It's like, even with Jennifer being a captive, you never feel like she has lost her agency or she's unable to do something or that she's in like a level of danger. Like Jennifer seems to want to go home based solely on her loyalty to her clan and to her family in a way that seems undeserved. Ultimately we learn by the end of the book, but also has nothing to do with like her feeling unsafe where she is. And that's, and that's a good, that's, that's interesting because you would think that there would be a lack of tension if Mm -hmm. you didn't think she was in danger, but it's not about that. Like you said, it's about, her wanting to get away, her wanting to get back to her family. That's the tension and whether she'll escape. And then then when they start having chemistry together and you see the spark start forming, it's the tension of, oh, is she going to abandon this Mm -hmm. when she gets another another chance to escape? And we know that she does. Yeah, because so they go to this castle and Brenna who who seems to have like asthma or something like that puts her face in a feather pillow and we don't know this till later and but Jenny thinks she's having another asthma attack and she's sick and she needs help that only like they can basically provide at home because there's a special tincture that she needs and Jennifer basically agrees like I'll sleep with you if you let my sister go which is like, you know, is is a fun, sexy bargain in a romance novel and not a fun, sexy bargain <laughs> in real life. In real life. Because he says it. He comes up with that. That's not her. She agrees to it, but he's the one who says, I'll let your sister go, but you have to sleep with me willingly. And this is after they have had flirtations. Right. This doesn't come out of the blue. She's not terrified of him. She's not cowering from him. They they have had a spark. Right. And he basically, I think he knows the only reason she's really holding back is because, you know, she's still trying to escape or her family or something like that. But, like, he's she's into well, him. The, he's the enemy. He is the enemy. He's literally the enemy. And then, yeah. And so they do sleep together. and they ha- And it's funny because... I think a lot of times when a woman sleeps with a man outside of marriage in one of these historicals, they're like, oh, I'm wanton or this or that. And Jenny seems like so quickly to be like, yeah, so like, I guess I'm a mistress now. (laughs) This is like my new bag. So Mm -hmm. cool. Like what? And they are kind of like laughing and joking about like what to do when he gets a wife and he he's telling her like, no, we'll pick somebody out that we both like. And I'm like, kinky. Yeah, yeah. I mean, listen, there's worse ways that could go down back in the day. I know, but it just, I liked her acceptance of that and her not feeling shame around the sex or anything like that. And like later she kind of lies about it and stuff, but it's like in the moment she's so happy. And then somebody from the King's guard comes to the castle and she's so loving being outside and like, you know, in nature that Royce lets her stay. And as he walks away, she's kind of realizing like she sees her stepbrother in the forest and she knows, okay, I can escape now. And she does have a moment of hesitation. She like blows him a kiss and is like sad Mm -hmm. about what she has to do. So she escapes with William. 
Yeah, she books it. That's a, like, there's so many heartbreaking Royce moments. This is nonstop heartbreaking. If you want to see a hero suffer, mm-hmm. get yourself this book. Because then Royce is going to the King's Guard. He's like, you know, I think if I asked her to bury me, like, she would 100% be into it. So that's what he's sort of unilaterally decided. And it takes a while for him to realize that she's gone, that she has yeah. escaped. And we know it, obviously, before he does. And so just those moments of him being so excited, like, oh, actually, she'll marry me, and this is going to be great, and we're going to have, like, the best time. And the slow realization that she's gone, that she escaped, that she tricked him. Yeah. Is so, oh, just gut-wrenching to read. It is It is devastating. So then the king basically decrees that the only way to fix this situation, because the women were stolen from a nunnery. And so like the nunneries are all under the king's protection. So he says, you basically, you have to marry her also because you guys had sex. And so mm-hmm. this is the way to solve this. This is the way to solve you guys being enemies. You marry her. And Royce is like spitting nails. He's so mad about having to marry Jenny. Yeah. And we get back to the first scene because this book opens with them getting married no will you miss the part where he goes for like the grand meal and then realizes they're going to try to kill him or they're going to try to trick him the next day and so he steals her oh he steals her first and then they then and it's then the they get scene married. of then it's the scene of the unhappy mm-hmm. wedding yes which is great because i love that that we started with that and then we somehow got back to it mm-hmm and the beginning of the book makes it seem like, oh, so he's just a bastard this whole time. But that's not the case. We find out what a sweetheart he is. Yeah. Because also when he's going to kidnap, when he's kidnapping Jenny, he lies and tells her that uh, they have Brenna captured. Um, and her on Eleanor, oh, right. who I'm obsessed with. I love on Eleanor. She basically sees Royce kidnapping her and is like, I'll scream if you don't take me with you because I hate it here. (laughs) I need some action. I hate her father. I'm bored out of my gourd at the Dowager house. Like, please take me. I'll be so much fun and I won't say anything. And he's like, no, you're like an old woman. How are you going to survive this? She's like, it'll be fine. It'll be fine. It's going to be cool. Just bring me with you. And he does. And just the scene of like Jennifer in the boat and she's gagged. And she looks up and she sees Aunt Eleanor coming down with Royce. It just kills me. And then Aunt Eleanor is never gagged or put in constraints at all. And she's like, what is going on with this woman? And then finally she's like, no, 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 I asked to come. I'm not going to say anything. I guess a trope that we need to talk about in this book is reluctant kidnapper. Because (laughs) in a way, I know Royce didn't physically kidnap Brenna and Jennifer, but he became somebody who had hostages or he had, you know, he he had kidnapped people. Yeah. And and then Aunt Eleanor is the same. He's he does not want to do it. Mm hmm. But yeah, that was fun. Yeah. So that was amazing. So then they go home and they start, uh, you know, after the the wedding, they really start to find kind of peace you know nothing in these books is ever long until it's the absolute end but they're like sleeping together they're having a good time I think oh Jennifer 
when they're brought back, she's brought back to uh, his to Claymore. I think is his um, is his like home kingdom kingdom and she goes and a kid on the street like throws dirt in her face and um royce's bodyguard grabs him and you think he's gonna she thinks he might kill the child for doing it but really he was just like waiting to hear what to do because he didn't know what the kid threw and she begs with royce to not kill the child and royce is like i was never going to kill the kid and then puts her in charge of of sort of the kid's punishment. But I loved that scene, too, because you see Royce being so hurt to be like, really, after everything, after me never touching you, after you being safe with us while you were kidnapped and your sister and now your aunt, like, you still think I'm such a brute that I would, like, murder a child. Like, what am I supposed to do? Like, basically, you know, Royce is so done with violence and so done with, fighting and just wants to live peacefully and he you can see he really despises his reputation and he's 29 and that is young Uh but for him to have done and seen and dealt with the things that he dealt with in that short amount of time Mm -hmm. is wearing on the soul yeah and i think you see that with him yeah. But also totally. there's there's the idea that the people of his purview are are still frightened of him. Mm-hmm. You know, the people that, that like that the child and all those kind of people in the in the kingdom, they do they do have fear of him. Yes, and they hate her cuz they feel like she's tricked him. Yeah. And the I love that he allows her to be the one to dole out the punishment to the kid because Jennifer, somebody, her her shitbag oldest stepbrother has basically lied to everyone and said that she murdered her best friend, which is psychotic. Mm. And so everybody in her family and her clan and her community like hates her because they think she's a murderer and she's not. But all Jen Jenny wants is to be loved and to be taken and to be able to take care of people and to be able to have the people she loves love her back. And so I think when he she doles out this punishment to the child and it's like pretty weak punishment where it's like you have to help out four hours a day. But if you're busy, then like you you don't have to for like two months or something. He's allowing her to step into that thing that she wants the most. Yes. She wants to be somebody who is in charge of a kingdom mm-hmm. of people that love her. And she loves and she can take care of. And that's yeah. that's the kingdom of dreams that she dreams about. Oh, yes. Because after they have after they sleep together for the first time, she's out on this little balcony. And so Royce wakes up and he's like, fuck, she's escaped. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then looks and she's just kind of like standing out there like looking. And, and she tells him about her dream of of having this kingdom and being able to be this person to, to people. And so I really love that too. And I think that's, it's, it, it shows like Royce is such an amazing hero and Jenny is my favorite heroine of all time. I think like she's phenomenal that how part of that love is him just putting things in place for her to be able to realize her dreams. 
and mm-hmm. not necessarily giving them to her, but creating those opportunities for her in a way that I love. And the other thing is, so the plan that the father, her father had, who is somebody that she looks up to, thinks is the best guy in the world, he's not, mm-hmm. is that the father was going to keep Jenny away from Royce after they're married so that he could not sire a true son that would be able to take over his kingdom. Mm-hmm. And he's saying that to Jenny and she doesn't believe it. And instead of pushing it, pushing it, pushing it, he kind of backs off of it in a way that is being kind to her. Mm-hmm. But she eventually realizes it later through her own kind of putting things together. But he doesn't shove it in her face and scream at her and say, you're stupid for not believing me and all these different things. He puts it out there because it's the truth. But he lets her connect the dots later. Yeah. Because well, originally I think he thinks that she was in on the plan. And sort yes. of through her being like, oh, no, actually, my father would never, ever do that to me. He would never. He realizes. He sees, yeah. He sees how much she needs to believe in her father, who's also his, like, sworn enemy and has tried to do this absolutely vile thing to him. But he realizes how much she needs to believe in her father and what that means to her. And he doesn't have it in him to shatter that belief. Mm-hmm. And so he's like, you know, actually, maybe I was mistaken. I was probably mistaken. Letting her believe this lie so that she can continue to have her father in like high esteem. And I think, you know, that he's able to do that for his, you know, this guy is his enemy. Like, you know, that's why we say like he falls first, like he's in love with her so quickly. And she, I think she likes him, but doesn't, isn't in love with him for a bit longer. But yeah. just that moment really stood out to me as like such a beautiful, small moment in the middle of a very big book that I loved so much. So then the dreaded moment comes when uh, his in-laws come to visit. He's yes. not excited. Who is? <laughs> and, you know, it, some an incident happens basically where Royce misinterprets possibly why her brother pulled a dagger out and based just purely on these reflexes that he's honed on the battlefield stabs William fatally. And William was kind of the only stepbrother that Jenny liked. Yes. And he's dead. I mean, obviously family. And so she's devastated by this. Yeah. And family is the most important thing to her. Mm -hmm. She makes him promise that he'll never hurt her family. And he's like, I'm done with battle. No problem. I will never hurt your family. I will only ever hurt somebody if they try to take something from me. But other, like in defense. But otherwise, no, you you never have to worry about me. And she believes it. And, And so that's why she allows herself to kind of fall in love with him. So then when he murders her brother, that betrayal is so huge that she just, her heart hardens to him. And it's so fucking devastating because Royce immediately realizes he's fucked up. He's so angry with himself for doing it. 
And he's so devastated because I think this thing he wanted most in the world, which is, you know, Royce also wants a family. Like Royce has cultivated a family with his men. And we haven't even talked about all the scenes with his men, which are fantastic. But the idea now that him and Jen, Jenny isn't like leaving to go join another convent or anything. She's like, no, I'll stay. And it, in her mind, she does still love him, but she's like, I just will be companions and that's it. That's all I can give you. Yeah, and which that's is so not at all what he wants. Yeah, not at all what he wants. No, and I think somebody also who has grown up because, you know, in so much violence and what he had to do to get what he has, like him just wanting like a soft, kind relationship where the people he loves are safe and happy is all he wants. And to have that taken away from him based on his own misdeed is devastating. So this all culminates in there's what is what even is this event that they have? Yeah, it's a they have a tournament. Yeah, it's a tournament and uh, people actually get hurt and killed. Yeah, so it's basically it's like a jousting match. So normally with jousting, it's just like whoever gets off their horse. But you can die from that. Like it's you're Mm -hmm. hitting somebody with a pointy thing throwing them off a horse. So there's those matches. And then it's basically like a fake battle, but you're not allowed to have like pointy things, but it's still like a battle. I I mean, in the book, they say like, this has been outlawed for a long time because it's like kind of stupid, but (laughs) the king has brought it back. And the king has also told Royce that he is not allowed to turn down any like jousting matches. Yeah. And so this whole sequence is fucking devastating. So everybody comes like Jennifer basically has gone through the town and made sure everybody's like all of her people are protected and are able to sell things for the right amount of money and things aren't being stolen. And so everyone's like, you know, rightfully in love with her and her family comes and brings her mother's crest and puts it in the box with her. And so Royce has set up this, throne for her to sit in in his box and it's this big drama of like is she going to go sit with her family or is she going to sit in Royce's and she goes and she sits with her family which was devastating and like the people are booing her and the second she sits down she's like oh I've done the wrong thing I should be over there Mm -hmm. and the scene where you see Royce go into the the tournament you see him go into the ring and he looks for her in the box. And for a second, he thinks he sees her. And then it's not her. She sees that happening. And God, it ripped my heart out onto the floor. And then he comes over and he bows to her in her family's box. Yeah. And then there's just like a huge fucking war. And he won't fight back. Mm-hmm. It's so because... much violence that Jennifer runs and like hides in her bedroom. And Sir mm-hmm. Gwen, I think, comes and is like, no he is refusing to fight back. So they're killing him. And that's when she realizes like, oh no, I love him. He can't die. And so she comes out and he thinks she's going to do the death blow. Mm -hmm. And instead she kneels down in front of him to say, I love you. I'm yours. Yeah. It's a great, it's a great ending. It is the one of the best all-star phenomenal endings to cap yeah. off a phenomenal book. But like when 
the moment where he sees her coming and he's like in a daze and he's lost a lot of blood and like things aren't making sense and sees her coming and has and in his mind has just resigned himself like okay she's coming to kill me and then this will be over and he's not upset with her and he doesn't not understand why she might do that he's just cold acceptance is the most heartbreaking like there has never been a hero so broken and done and then when she kneels in front of him and he realizes what she's done he's so overcome and thrilled at that moment and then he finishes fighting the day which is insane Alan Eleanor gives him some stuff that might make him impotent for a week and he's like no yeah (laughs) I gotta fuck my wife yeah this was an amazing book yeah we've got to talk though first it's the big question as always would you fuck them Here's the thing. The ages right now, they are 17 and 29. And I just decided in my mind that she's 24 and he's 36. Because that's what I prefer. And so at those ages, yes, I would fuck them both. Yeah, I would up her age and I would keep his age as is. (laughs) And I would fuck them both. Yes, absolutely. Yes. And we talked about this last time, but I, in my mind, I had cast hit Adam Driver as Royce, which I do think is good casting. And I do think we should get this movie made. And I do think Adam Driver should be Royce. I think it's perfect. Yeah. He's, he's, he's a guy, you give him a big beard mm-hmm. and he'd be imposing looking. I mean, he's got the physique for it. He's got the height for it, but then you would see a soft side. He could definitely play that. He could definitely play that part. Oh, yeah, because Adam Driver, he's like a big guy, but he seems like a very kind person. He seems like somebody who is very sweet, but could be scary, you know. Anyway, so I would 100% them both. Nice. Um, All right, so should we do Goodreads list? Let's do it. So favorite historical romance novels. I agree, yes. Yeah. I would say this is one of my top three at this moment. I loved it. Um, best medieval romance novels. Yes. I think Dude. we've only read a mm-hmm. few, right? We've only read maybe one or two. This might only be the second one that we've read. Yeah. Well, Kiss of the Highlander was a time travel medieval romance. And then we did another medieval romance as well. I know for sure. Oh, we did? Yeah, it was an old school one. We got to read more medieval, though. The one where she like traps the guy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Would she? She? She fucks him. Yeah. To, yeah. She. She fucks him while he's tied up and he gets so angry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was a great book as well. That was a great book. Was that Jude Devereaux? Who was that? Anyway, Garwood. I don't know. Okay. Anyway, so uh, Dukes, bring him on. Yep. All-time favorite romance novels. Yeah, I would say yes. The best of the best romance novels of the 20th century. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, this is a book, too, I would say if somebody had never read romance, I would be like, yeah, read A Kingdom of Dreams. You're going to get it. You're going to get what romance are. You're going to get the beats, and it's well-written, and it's really fun. It's It's hard, though, with that because you would have to say – Read this, but it's not indicative of modern romance. But if right? somebody just came to you and was like, I've never read a romance before. I want to start with historical. What should I read? 
you know? Uh, I mean, I, I, this is a debate for a for a different show, though, because I do think then when they try to read a modern romance, a modern historical, they'll kind of think the same thing you said at the beginning, where it's like, where's the density? Yeah, but it's just like, it's different. I don't know. I would still say I would probably give them this book or obviously we can say it at the same time. Dreaming of you. Dreaming of you, yeah. yeah. But I, that that's the thing is I don't this is such a curious and we should talk about this maybe on a mini sode is mm-hmm. I'm now educated. Yeah. I say I'm a virgin, but we all know. Listen. I, I'm not wearing white to my wedding. <laughs> but I would say that my education has been done really well to start with modern and then go back. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I would start somebody with a book that was published in nineteen eighty nine. Mm-hmm. Be- just because it's not the kind of romance that is prevalent now. So they would be not stuck in old school, mm-hmm. but I just think you've got to start with the, the what what it is of the day and then mm-hmm. go back. That's kind of what I think, but I might be wrong. And I could change my mind as soon as we're done talking. Yeah. Beauty and the Beast. Yes. Okay. Although he's not really... He's the only thing is that there's there's the holding somebody against their will. Uh huh. And he's he's called the wolf, and yeah. the expectation he's a beast, but he's not actually a beast. No, best historical romance is married couples. They're married for a significant part of this book. Yes. Bad boys meet the virgins. Again, not really a bad boy, but his reputation is that of a bad boy. I think you would be upset to re- if you thought that he was going to be a bad, bad boy. He's a good boy. He's a good boy. Good boy. That people. Virgins. Yeah, exactly. That people think are, was is a bad boy. And he's not. Yes. Bad reputation meet the virgins. Mm, that's great. Yeah. Change it. <laughs> The best romance with a stolen slash captive character. Yes. Although the Windflower also had a captive character. Yeah, these are very... I mean, there there's a lot going on because the guards in this book, mm-hmm. we don't get as much time with them as we do the pirates and the Windflower, but still there's a, there is a level of relationship we get with them. Yeah. That is deeper than most new romances. Mm-hmm. Best historical romances where the quiet slash unusual girl gets the guy. She's unusual, but not quiet. Not quiet. Not quiet. Yeah. Best Scottish and Highland historical romance. Yeah. I haven't read a lot of Scottish. We need to read more Scottish. There's a lot in that subgenre that's really, really fun. Best humorous historical romances. This was funny. Yeah. There's a lot of moments that were funny. The humor of this book comes from the characters and their interactions with each other. Yeah. Gentle giants in romance. Yes. Historical romance hero, jerk, cad, abusive, nasty, mean, cruel to heroin. I mean, that's so many different variants. I would say that, I guess, uh, he's not a jerk. He's not a cad. I I think, This is hard for me. I mean, yeah, he does spank her. He does pull her around a little bit. But I just don't... I guess I'm just 
blind to it. I don't see him as being any of those things. Truly. Yeah. I, the spanking, but I wouldn't call that abusive necessarily. I mean, if Rump- I killed someone's horse, I would expect a spanking. Yes. I mean, at least now, definitely. But even <laughs> a little bit before. I wouldn't be surprised. If I killed someone's horse and they pulled me over their knee, I'd be like, this seems fair. This seems <laughs> this seems Light. actually like I'm getting off uh, uh, easy. Yeah. Interpret that however you want. I know exactly. <laughs> I didn't, I, I didn't intend it, but <laughs> there it is. I'm going to let it sit there. Romances with tomboy slash women in pants heroines. Oh, you know women in pants. You know that there's women in pants. Yeah. Down and dirty bodice rippers. Yeah. I mean, there's not a ton of sex in this, but what, what there is, is is good. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, when they do have sex or they are together, it is so full of emotion that it's like amazing. You know, I think more than like, were they to just to start having sex immediately? Like, and this yeah. is an old school, like, I would say this is a bodice ripper. Like she's kidnapped and all of these things. I think it's, it's, you know, falling in love with your captor, yeah. uh, t- taking the veil, heroin hidden in convent raised by nuns or disguised in habit. Yes. Unforgettable historical romance. I won't yeah. forget this. Yes. Love beyond reason. Uh, yeah. Books you want made as a movie. Oh, definitely. I mean, we already mentioned that. Yeah. Yes, and also we're available to adapt. Uh, As always. Yeah, yeah. You know, we're here. We're open. And, okay, okay, so, Clayton, what are your tropes? So, Reluctant Captor Mm -hmm. is one. It's a new one. It's a new one. Women in Pants. Medieval romance, enemies to lovers, stitching up a face, which <laughs> is my which is my new favorite. It's like just and one step further from shaving. It is. It is. It's so funny. Why? You know what it is? It's all about the trust mm-hmm. with this. It's like the sh- anything near the face and the neck and the neck. Because you know it's so easy to stab that needle into his neck, or yeah. when they're when you're shaving someone's face to just slice that throat, anything in that face throat area, and it's a sharp object. It's tr- it's so much about trust, and I think I'm really into that. Yes, I think that's and yeah, and that's something we didn't talk about. I don't know about this time. It's just like how Royce wants to trust Jenny and constantly trusts her. You know, yes. even when like maybe he shouldn't, but. And then forced marriage. Mm-hmm. And those are my tropes. Aaron, what are your tropes? So mine are enemies to lovers, family feud, feuding families, kidnapped, forced marriage, die for you. Because at the end, he's just like, I guess I'll die rather than break my word to you again, which is like, oof. Uh, he falls first, medieval romance, lethal hero, like everyone is terrified of him, hero's scary reputation. And then this one I'm stealing from Andy J. Christopher, who's a phenomenal romance writer. And she put this on our Instagram uh, when we announced this video where she said this is, she's the most feral heroine. And I just loved that idea of just like feral as a descriptor for Jenny. And I, yeah. at, reading the book, I was like, God damn it, if she isn't right. 
Um, so thank you, Andy J. Christopher, for my new one of my new favorite tropes. All-time great heroines, uh, found family, Scottish heroine, warring families, mistress first, because like she was cool with just kind of dating him, which I thought was really great. Outcast mm-hmm. heroine, she's outcast from her family. None heroine, a cinematic joust doesn't happen enough. And yeah, he terrifies everybody but her. She's never afraid of him. He finds that so interesting, which I love. Nice. Those are my those are my tropes. All right, Clayton. I mean, any last thoughts? Anything else to say? I mean, I think this is a must read if you haven't read it. Yes. I, I would say our listeners tend to be hardcore romance fans. And, and there might be some newbies out there like myself, some some virgins or nigh-on virgins. Mm-hmm. And I would say this is such a great old school because it does sidestep a lot of the issues that a mm-hmm. lot of them have. And it's just really enjoyable. And like you said, it's very cinematic mm-hmm. and it zips by. Yes. It's caught. It's, it's dense. Like it's dense, but it zips. Yes. Because this is a longer book and I read it so quickly. Or I was just not that I read it quickly, but I was reading it constantly. Like this is a book when you I like would have like five minutes before a meeting started. I was like, OK, I guess I'll just read for a second. Yeah, and she's just a great writer in general yes. because I always would laugh about when I would see a pool quote on a novel where it says, a highly readable book. I'd think, well, readable for a book is the bare minimum of what it mm-hmm. needs to be. But that term is, I think, more about is how smooth is this reading experience? And man... Judith takes you by the hand and says, trust me, and you don't regret it. No. Yeah, so this definitely is not going to be the last one of her books we read. No, not at all. Yeah, all right, Clayton. So what has you swooning this week? Well, this 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 book made me think about The Last Duel, mm-hmm. which is available on HBO Max. And again, this is not a similar tone no. Last Duel is very heavy. There's sexual assault. In fact, the whole movie hinges on a act of sexual assault. So if that is a trigger warning, you probably don't want to watch it. But I think it's a spectacular film. Mm-hmm. It's, 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 it's medieval in its setting. The acting is great. Ben Affleck got a Razzie for his performance or a nomination. Those Which people bullshit. are scum. It's bullshit. Those yeah. people are scum. And I just think it's it's it, it made me think of the ending of this book made me think about the climactic duel at the end of that movie. And it's just one of the gnarliest things I've ever seen shot in a movie in a good way. But it's just such a satisfying film. It's such a thought provoking film. And I would recommend it if it's something that you can stomach. <laughs> yeah yeah exactly I think it's a it's not an easy film to watch but I do think it's a, a beautiful film I think it's very well written I think it's very like you said interesting I really loved The Last Duel too I thought it was I thought it was fantastic I thought Ben Affleck was great I mean I am a Ben Affleck super fan so I guess I'm biased but I just thought he was exactly what that role should be and people need to get their stick out of their asses. And it was really fun. And I think the reason that he and Matt Damon have been like 
dragged for this movie is that they're they look silly, but get over it. Yeah, and they don't even look. He does not even look that silly to me. No. I mean, that's the thing is that if you see the movie, it makes sense, and that mm-hmm. and a lot of the talk about this film, as always online, comes from people who have never seen this film or don't have the attention span to watch this film mm-hmm. straight up. Because I saw it in the theater. I thought seeing it in theater is the way to see it. It's hard to watch things at home. You've got everything around you to distract you. But we've got our listeners are a different breed. They they pay attention. They pick up on things. They mm-hmm. engage in 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 books and movies. So I have I have no doubt that people will watch that movie and enjoy it or not enjoy it but have a great valid reason as to why not. Yeah, yeah, obviously it's all subjective. I watched it at home, and I would say it was still a great experience, but I do wish I had seen it in theater. Yeah, there's just something so immersive about that. Yeah. But Aaron, what has you swooning? So I'm actually swooning about a book. Um, so I ha- I was in like a pretty big romance slump for there for a while, where like I was I read a few things I enjoyed, but in gen- like it wasn't I wasn't going back to romance with the fervor that I normally do. Um, and then I read a new to me author, but she has been writing for quite a while. Uh, Diana Quincy, uh, she, her book, Her Night with the Duke. It's so much fun. It busted my, my reading slump wide open. It's just, it feels a little like an old school romance and that it's like a romping good time. Things are constantly happening. It's about this woman and she is coming home from traveling abroad for a long time. She stops at an inn. And people start harassing her because people are assholes and racist. And this one man stands up and they end up having this night of passion. And she's going home to meet her stepdaughter's fiance. And wouldn't you know, it's the man from her night of passion. (laughs) And it's all tangly um, and fun. And the characters are amazing. And it's just a, a really great fun book and I think the book has like been around other people it, it seems like fairly popular but I would say I had it in my Kindle and just hadn't gone to it yet and it was absolutely so much fun um obviously I stopped to read Kingdom of Dreams which was also fantastic so I'm really riding a wave right now guys and then last night I started the second book in the Diana Quincy series uh the Viscount Made Me Do It which is about a female bone setter and a Viscount who everyone thinks has, he has murdered his parents. Guys, I'm in. Sign me up. So anyway, if you haven't read those series uh, or haven't read any Diana Quincy, I would say start with Her Night with the Duke, which is fantastic. And so far, I'm really enjoying the series. So uh, that is what I'm swooning about this week. Great. So, Aaron, where can they find us? So... You guys, whenever you take the time to rate, review, or follow us on Apple Podcasts, it really means so much because it's how people find us. Um, So if you haven't had a chance to do that and you're thinking, "Uh, I'm bored, I'm looking at my phone right now, just do it. It takes two minutes and it really means a lot to us. Like we said before, we're on Patreon. So if you go to patreon.com, just search Learning the Tropes, you'll find us for $5 a month. Um, After three months, you'll get our exclusive sticker. We also have a lot of content up there. We have watched the first four 
starstruck most recently and we are gonna have be putting up the episode with the rest of the series we reviewed up soon uh we review other like rom-coms and stuff like that so go ahead uh join if that's something that you are interested in you can always email us at order the tropes podcast at gmail.com if we ever also like say that we're reading a book and you have like an interesting or different cover of that book always send it over to us because that's fantastic we are on Twitter at Learning Tropes, on Instagram at Learning the Tropes, and then we have our Facebook troop, the Learning the Tropes troop. Come join us there. Uh, and then we have merch linked below if you are so inclined. Yes, yeah, so much, but... So much. But, you know, you have to have so many points of entry now. I know. You got, guys, if you want to get to us, you're getting to us. Exactly. I will so. say the thing about the Patriot is that is the only one that is 100% Clayton's domain. So anywhere else, you're email you're talking to me or Clayton, you can grab either of us. Patreon, you're just talking to Clayton. And then Instagram, Twitter is me. Well, and then Twitter, Facebook, either of us. Twitter, I don't have access to. Instagram, I check every day, but I don't comment on. Yeah. But yeah, Facebook, Patreon, email. Those are where you see me. Yeah. If that's what you choose. <laughs> All right. Well, so we will be back next week. God willing on time, guys. We are going to try our best. Maybe we should record on Sunday um, to let you guys know what our next book will be. Mm-hmm. Um, so stay tuned for that. Also, you can always email us your book recommendations. We love that as well. Um, and until next week, uh, happy reading. Happy reading. Happy reading.